It's 10 o'clock on WDBX Carbondale. Time for... Okay, Boomer. Okay, kid. Hey, what happens, kid, if you ask a scammer this question? Uh, Say, you're not a scammer, are you? They will swear on their child's life that they are not a scammer, but they definitely are. 78-year-old Jay Bussler will talk about scammers and how to deal with them. Zona Calhoun runs the thrift shop at the Murfreesboro Senior Center. Last week we caught her at the card table. We get very good donations. Uh, Some of the things we receive as brand new still have the tag on them. I bought a sweatshirt at the thrift store and you'll be surprised at how much it cost. Then there is something I watched on TV November 24th, 1963. There is the prisoner. Do you have anything to say in your defense? What? There's a shot. Oswald has been shot. That was probably the first murder ever broadcast live on network television. And if you were old enough to remember the events of November of 1963, the Kennedy assassination, stay with us because Bob Smith has assembled a montage of news reports from the Kennedy assassination that you probably haven't heard for nearly 60 years. Plus, Rebecca J. O'Neill will tell you what the SIU Legal Clinic can do for you. It's all next on OK Boomer. I'm Robert Rickman on WDBX Carbondale, and it's time for the news. Well, our favorite, unfavorite disease continues to surprise people. The Omicron variation of COVID-19 is a milder illness among the vaccinated population, but it's very contagious. Though symptoms are less severe, the long-term effects of Omicron among vaccinated populations aren't fully known. And the impact of three doses of the COVID vaccine on post-acute symptoms remains largely unexplored. A recent Danish study confirmed that the frequency of symptoms and health-related problems dropped drastically after a third dose of the COVID booster vaccine. The recent findings came from a Danish survey which evaluated the risk of 26 post-acute symptoms after an Omicron infection four months after the positive test. The conclusions? A considerable amount of people infected during the Omicron period experienced post-acute symptoms and new-onset health problems four months after testing. Also, a booster vaccination dose was associated with fewer post-acute symptoms and the new-onset health problems four months after infection compared to two doses of COVID-19 vaccine. Now, Medical Life Sciences reports that four months after the infection, the most common post-acute symptom was fatigue, exhaustion, I had that, muscle joint pain, headache, and runny nose. New onset mental exhaustion, memory issues, I had that last week when I used the wrong call letters for the radio station, and concentration problems were less common in individuals vaccinated with three doses than those who received two COVID-19 vaccine doses four months after the infection during the Omicron wave. So from illness, let's go to money and retirement. Latest government data showed that the average monthly expenditures for those 65 and older, including rent, groceries, and health care, stand at around, now listen to this number, $4,345. In 2016, retirement-aged Americans were getting away with spending nearly $1,000 less. 
But with inflation only recently starting to cool from its near 40-year high this summer, financial pros say older Americans may soon have to prepare to tighten their spending habits even more when planning for the future. In order to retire successfully, you will want to consider your health, income, expenses, inflation, and other financial goals, as well as whether you have sufficient assets and are confident in your understanding of what retirement entails. Here's the list, starting with number one, pay off your mortgage before you retire. Owning your own home will certainly cut down on living expenses, says near wallet investing spokesperson Elena Benson, although she also adds aggressively paying down your mortgage may make it difficult to save or invest pre-retirement. And then we go to number two on our list, and that is consider moving to a lower taxed and less costly state or country. And I moved from uh, Nashville, Tennessee to Carbondale. Uh, even though uh, Nashville's taxes are lower, cost of living in Carbondale is even lower than that. Anyway, Benson says one of the best ways to combat rising consumer prices is to move to a more cost-friendly location, to a state with lower taxes and lower cost of living. Number three, slash transportation costs. Next to housing, transportation is often the second costliest thing the 65 and older age group spends money on. If you are no longer commuting into the office and have a partner at home, can you all go down to one car? Can you pay off your car so it's just gas, insurance, and maintenance you're paying for? Could you get rid of the car altogether? Those are questions you need to ask yourself. Number number four, get smart about food costs. Government data show that the price of food at home has increased 12.4% over the past 12 months. Switching from a name brand food to a store brand is one of the best ways to cut back. And buying more in bulk at stores like Costco or BJ's works too. Research from Magnify Money found that bulk shopping can save an average of 25% on common household items. Number five, evaluate your monthly utilities usage and spending. Although overall inflation has started to cool from its 40-year peak of 9.2% in June, energy services, including electricity and gas, were up 15.6% year over year. With likely little room to reduce monthly expenditures for these individuals, people can reduce their utility bills by turning down their heat in the winter, maybe incrementally. Now, this is not much, from 69 to 66 degrees. Number six, utilize your HSA. Last year, the average average adult over 65 spent $7,000 on health expenses, according to BLS data. So, health savings accounts, HSAs, can be a great tool to save and invest money for retirement while taking advantage of triple tax incentives because health care expenses can easily become your biggest retirement expense. And number seven, cut entertainment costs with individuals 65 and older spending an average of $2,889 on entertainment in 2021. Ooh, that's a lot. One simple way to reduce these swelling monthly costs is to start cutting back on discretionary expenses like that trip to the movie theater or a restaurant. That should be the first thing that gets downsized. Now, another costly place to make a monthly reduction is your spending on cable television. On average, monthly cable packages cost roughly $200, according to a report from All Connect. That's well above the 2000 or 205 household spend on all major utilities combined. So those are some 
bits of advice as far as saving money in retirement. But you also want to save your brain. Food assistance programs can help older adults maintain access to healthy foods that support brain health and may prevent cognitive decline. For example, several studies have shown that food insecurity may increase dementia risk and limit cognitive functioning during aging, often due to decreased diet quality and increased mental distress as you age. A new study published in the Neurology uh, magazine found that older U.S. adults who participated in the Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program, that's called SNAP, or it was previously called Food Stamps, now these people have lower rates of memory decline than their counterparts who were eligible but didn't participate in the program. Specifically, researchers noted that improving food security among adults age 50 and older can enhance their nutritional intake and lead to better brain function thereby reducing the risk of cognitive decline in dementia. Edina Ziki Hazori, assistant professor of epidemiology at Columbia University, says less than half of the older adults who are eligible for SNAP actually participate. Yet our findings show that people using SNAP experience two fewer years of cognitive aging over 10 years compared to those who did not use the program. He adds that with the number of people with Alzheimer's disease and other dementias expected to increase, the low participation is a huge missed opportunity for dementia prevention. Now let's come to a word that I haven't heard for a long time, mooch. As a kid, as a kid, I heard about it um, when some kid wanted to borrow marble maybe some candy, or as a teenager, a cigarette or something. But 78-year-old Jay Bustler, who hangs out at the West Frankfurt Senior Citizen Center, tells me that the word mooch has morphed over the years into scam. I think, actually, and I read one time, where there are lists, and they're called mooch lists, I believe, M-O-O-C-H-E. Now, I've heard Back years ago when I was a kid, you know, somebody would mooch a cigarette or something like that. I don't even know if it's a real word or not. But I think there's actually lists of senior citizens uh, or older people that is compiled by someone and furnished to these scammers. Exactly how they do it, it would be easy. I used to work in data processing to scan the um, scan the web and pick up uh, people, you know, say they're older than 70 years old or something like that. I did have a, a good friend of mine. He um, told me, he said, Jay, he said, would you look at my checkbook here? He said, I've got a charge on here that I don't know what it is. And it was $78. And uh, I said, Jerry, there's a phone number here. I said, uh, if, if you don't mind me, I'll take a picture of that, your checkbook, or the statement. I'll take it home and call. Well, later that day, I went home and I called, and I got uh, Publishers Clearinghouse is what I got. And I talked to him, and I said, uh, I represent this friend of mine. His, uh, I kind of look after some of his affairs and things, and I'm inquiring about this because sometimes they don't want to give you information if it's not true. And she looked it up and she said, yeah, that's uh, uh, one of three payments for $78 for seven different subscriptions. And I said, well, my friend never did. I said, he's 90 years old. 
he never did order subscriptions. And she said, yeah, they're right here. And she told me what they were. It was the uh, Wall Street Journal. It was even Miss Teen, I believe. Now, what would he be doing at 90 years old? But, uh, and I talked to her and I said, hey, you know, someone apparently, you know, one of the, uh, one of the clerks or whoever's, uh, you know, uh, out or, you know, getting subscriptions for you, you know, we, we need this removed from his account, the money return. And she kind of reluctantly returned the $78 and killed the other two credit card appointments. Now, I have had similar things that people have tried to perpetrate on me. What I've had lately is telephone calls that I cannot identify. And so I generally do not answer the phone if it's not a 618 number or if I don't identify the number. And sometimes it goes into voicemail. Other times there is no voicemail. Have you had that problem? Sure have. I think I've been approached by the same gentleman seven times, claimed he was from Publishers Clearinghouse, and that I had won, I think, $5 million, a new Mercedes, and $7,500 a week for my lifetime. Well, how are you going to spend all this? And, and you, you ride your bicycle, what are you going to be doing for exercise if you're driving around a Mercedes? Well, I'm not for sure about that, Robert, but uh, hey, you got to be on your toes. It was obviously, uh, and he kept calling back, calling back, calling back, and uh, that's where I think that I was on one of those mooch lists, and if you tell them to take you off the list, they say, oh yeah, we'll take care of that, but they could care less. Yeah, I get uh, like emails or texts, and you know, to get off the list, uh, email this, and I thought, no, that's not going to take me off the list. I think the best way to get off the list is to not respond and block the number. I agree, but I'll tell you what, uh, and you've probably experienced it also, a lot of those calls you get may have an area code 618, which we're in, but they have a means of electronically yep. distorting or showing a different number. And it's a number in your area, and you might think, oh, it's a friend or someone local I need to talk to. I would like to see the government definitely make that illegal where they can't do that because that's very misleading. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think a lot of it has to do with um, people being naive. Um, and particularly, I think, older people beyond the baby boomers who are not familiar with technology like we are. Right, I agree. Yeah, they tend to tend to target older people, uh, maybe because maybe they might have a little dementia or some reason, some something uh, where they're more apt to fall for, uh, you know, a scam than, than, than maybe someone that's really on their toes. That 78-year-old Jay Bustler, who spends much of his time exercising, scamming the scammers and hanging out at the West Frankfurt Senior Citizen Center with his daughter, Christy Bustler, who is the center director. We'll be hearing more in uh, future programs from Jay Bustler. And uh, from the... Oh, gosh. Here, here is a, a note that was placed 
it with a sticky note over one of the VU meters. It says, all baby boomers must ask permission if they want to drink coffee, go to the coffee room um, during the program. Okay, Emily, can I go and get some coffee? Okay, boomer. Thank you. Get up on these rules and regulations. I hope it's not an FCC regulations. Anyway, uh, I'm a little groggy this morning, so I'm going to have some coffee. We're going to walk to the coffee room, the WDBX coffee room. We're here. Let's get the coffee machine going and check out the WDBX bulletin board. Now, this is from the U.S. Postal Service. In line with its typical observance of federal holidays, the USPS usually closes up shop completely on Christmas Day and New Year's Day. But this year, both these holidays fall on Sunday, when post office locations nationwide are already closed. As a result, the agency is closing all post offices for the observation of both federal holidays in the following Monday, December 26th, and Monday, January 2nd. It's not only post offices that will be closed on these days, however. According to the U.S. Ooh. Coffee is done. USPS will have to wait. Let's try it out. Mm. Delicious. I'm starting to wake up. Anyway, the agency is closing all post offices for the observation of both federal holidays on the following Monday, 26, and Monday, uh, January 2nd. And once again, it's not only the post offices that will be closed on these days, however. According to the USPS, there will also be no residential or business deliveries made on December 26th and January 2nd in observance of those holidays. But all post office locations will be open for business and regular mail delivery will resume after the holidays December 27th and Tuesday, January 3rd. One exception to the suspension of deliveries on these two days Priority Mail Express, according to USPS, these uh, packages are delivered 365 days a year in select locations for an additional fee. That uh, from the WDBX bulletin board, we're having our coffee. It's going to be a wonderful day today here in Paradise, and I bought some clothes. Now, I hate buying clothes. Part of it is going through all the trouble of trying them on. I don't understand why I feel that way, but I hate trying them on. You know, try the shirt on, take off the shirt, try the... You know. The other thing is cost. Now, I can afford to spend 40 or $50 on a uh, business shirt, but I don't want to do it. So I found a place where the cost of buying new-looking clothes is at 1950 prices. The thrift shop in the Murfreesboro Senior Center, where I found manager Zona Calhoun playing cards, had the clothes I needed. So Zona, does uh, playing cards help with your dexterity? Well, not really, but when we have people that come to the club to play cards and they're a shorter person, I kind of fill in for them. What I mean by dexterity is like picking up, yeah, does that help? No, not really. <laughs> okay, I was mentioning that because I was having problems hooking up my equipment, and my dexterity is not very good. Well, we'll let you play cards then. Yep. Next time, next time. Okay, you run the uh, thrift shop. Yes, I do. And uh, you're not in the thrift shop now because when they need an extra person, you come in and play cards. Yes, that's true. Now, I'm in the market for a sweatshirt. I was back there. I'll be buying a sweatshirt. How much am I going to pay for the sweatshirt? 
All, all of our clothes are just two dollars a piece. And our shoes are two dollars. Our coats are five dollars. And we are on the first Friday of every month. <coughs> excuse me. We have a bag sale. Everything you can get in a Kroger bag for two dollars. All your clothes that you can get in that bag are just two dollars for everything. Uh, as I walk through the store, I notice that um, the clothes seem to be in excellent condition and very clean. We get very good donations. Uh, some of the things we receive as brand new still have the tag on them. So we do have good, good clothing. And these ladies can testify because they, they're one of our, some of our shoppers. And the ladies, we have four ladies at the card table. Um, who's winning? Who's winning now? It's not us. <laughs> how how long do you play cards? Uh, to about three or three thirty. That's a long time. It keeps you mentally active, I would assume. Yes, it does, and it gives us older people something to do instead of staying home. Well, young young bucks like me, seventy years old, uh, I can understand that. Oh my goodness. I'm glad I wore my boots to work today. <laughs> okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into the thrift store and I'll purchase from the lady yes. some of the sweatshirts. Yes, we have three ladies back there working today. That's why I can come out here. Okay, Gloria, um, we're in the thrift shop now and I'm in the market for a sweatshirt. Well, let's go see what we can find for you. Uh, I am a, I guess technically I'm a large, although I don't seem like I'm that big. Well, let's see what we have here. I don't see a sweatshirt. Yeah. Oh, here's a sweatshirt. Oh, that looks good. Yeah. And I could wear that with my uh, sweatpants since I'm going to work out today. Oh, that would be very good. Yeah. And I think this is a large, but I think that's what you need. You want something uh, loose when you're going to work out. Right, right. Now, do you work out? Uh, unfortunately, no. How do you get your exercise? Well, I come down and volunteer here, and uh, by the time I do things at home, I'm 91, so it, it, uh, I'm limited. Limited? You're 91? You don't look like you're 91. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Um, and so at 91 years old, you're basically working in a store. Yes, right. And the thrift store, the money goes to the Murfreesboro Senior Center. Yes, to keep help of the upkeep. Now, why do you do this? Uh, I, I, I would think that you'd be able just to relax and watch TV all day. I'm not too much for doing that, and I enjoy volunteering and meeting the people. I enjoy talking with them and visiting, and it gets me out of the house, keeps me young, so... Well, you're a young 91. My gosh. Okay, I'll take that sweatshirt. Oh, all right. Very good. I'll wrap it up for you. And how much do I owe you? You owe me $2. Everything on the hangers are $2. We have a good good price on things. It looks like it. Now, these are called jerseys. Is that a, a name brand? I'm not familiar with it. I'm not either. I don't get into the men's things very often. Well, it looks like it's in very good shape, and I it think is. it's going to work fine for me. Right. There's no wear on it, no, and it's not got any spots. 
if something, when we find it, does have spots and such, we never charge the price because you can't put things out and see all of the spots and things that might be there. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Um, and you're running it pretty much like a professional store. Well, we've tried to keep it up and get it sized and, and looking nice and uh, appealing. So the girls here do that. I'm, I'm the cashier. <laughs> the cashier. <laughs> you, you watch all the money. I do. Okay. Well, which reminds me, I have to go out to my car and get uh, my wallet and bring it in here and pay you. I'm wearing a pair of sweatpants, and I'm going to go to work out uh, shortly after I leave here. That's why I'm looking for a sweatshirt. Yes, yes. Well, that'll look good with your sweatpants there, I think. Gloria Knopp helped me with selecting the sweatshirt and took my $2, which I've pried out of my wallet in my car. Let's talk law. Okay, Boomer, let's say you don't have a lot of money saved, certainly not enough to hire an attorney to drop, say, oh, maybe a will. Where do you turn? If you live in the 13 southern counties of Illinois, the SIU Civil Practice Legal Clinic can help you. The clinic provides free legal services for seniors 60s and older. Rebecca J. O'Neill is an attorney and clinical professor there. We do a very large variety of services for seniors. We do a lot of wills, powers of attorney. We do some family law cases such as guardianships over disabled adults. Uh, we represent a lot of grandparents who are raising their grandchildren. We do guardianships for them. And then just a whole variety of other matters um, that seniors need help with. Well, I had a situation about a year ago where I backed out of our parking lot and dinged a dent that was already there and my insurance went up maybe two dollars but let's say there was a lawsuit involved let's say they they sued me for damages could I come to you and ask for help no that's not the type of legal work that we do so generally speaking most people are well actually people are required to have um, car insurance so that would be something that your car insurance carrier would cover and they would retain an attorney for you based upon your car insurance to protect you in that lawsuit could you give me some examples of uh, the types of cases that you cover for senior citizens well, the ones we end up in court on usually are the guardianships. Um, sometimes people lose capacity as they age and they haven't done um, legal planning um, to prepare for that. Um, we do thousands of powers of attorneys every year to try to prevent the necessity of ever having to go to court for guardianship. But unfortunately, not everybody gets their affairs in order. And if they lose capacity, we have to go to court to give somebody legal authority to make choices for them um, over their financial matters. So we end up in court a lot on those cases. We end up in court on elder abuse cases where people are neglecting or financially exploiting people. Those usually end up in a guardianship proceeding too as a protective measure. And then um, the other types of matters we end up in court in our uh, clinic are um, guardianships over minor children. There are a lot of people in Southern Illinois raising children that are not their own. Um, grandparents, aunts, uncles, neighbors, friends. I mean, it's a large variety of people who use our services to get legal authority to help take care of children. Now, we have several other clinics, too, that do a large variety of other things. So we have a juvenile clinic 
They serve as guardian ad litem in Jackson County cases for children who are abused and neglected. We have a domestic violence clinic. They assist people getting plenary orders of protection in Jackson County. We also have a veterans clinic, and that clinic helps people get their disability claims um, properly handled through the Veterans Administration, and they provide a lot of other services for veterans too on legal matters that veterans have. What amazes me is I was working out of the business incubator when I was planning this program and also promoting my novel. And I had a business student who didn't know where the incubator was. People don't know about these services. I, I think I found yours somewhere online. But it seems like there is so much information out there that this type of information that's really important to seniors, they don't get it. Sometimes they don't. Um, a lot of people don't take advantage of the services that are offered throughout all of Southern Illinois for seniors. Um, but we are a very integral part of the aging network in Southern Illinois. For example, Egyptian Area Agency is one of the main agencies. They um, oversee a lot of programs for elderly throughout Southern Illinois. Yes, I know Michelle. Yeah. I've interviewed her several okay. times. Well, so they monitor one of the grants that we receive, um, and then we work hand-in-hand -hand with Shawnee Alliance for Seniors. I've talked to them on the air. I've had them in. Yeah, so we work a lot on their cases. Um, their case workers, particularly in their elder abuse cases, um, we're, we're involved in many of those cases. So, But the other thing is we go to the nutritional sites in all the counties, and that's where we see our clients. So we advertise our services in those senior citizens' centers. We put up flyers, posters with our 800 number for people to call um, while, while the semester is going, and then um, people call our intake line. We have law students who handle that intake line, who take all their information. And then what happens is the I get the intakes um, and I sort through who's eligible, who's not, and then I assign them to law students. They communicate with the people, and we go together to the senior citizen centers. Usually that's where we meet people and interview them and do their legal work for them. We also go to other places too, though. Like sometimes we go to the hospital. That's not an ideal situation to interview somebody when they're that sick. Um, and we go to homes too. Some people just cannot get out to the senior citizen center, so we do go to homes too. So now I talked uh, with somebody from Shawnee Alliance. She was on the program live, and uh, she commented about some seniors who are being basically exploited by their relatives. Uh, I guess that would be senior abuse. How prevalent is that here in Southern Illinois? Well, I mean, Shawnee Alliance could, could give you a better answer than I could on that, but it's more common than you would ever hope. Um, to say that we have a lot of cases like that, no, we don't, but even a handful each semester is too many, you know, so. Okay, what about criminal cases. Let's say I do something like I did in 1971, underage acceptance, only I'm no longer underage. I do something stupid in a bar, get arrested, get thrown in jail. Do you have criminal attorneys? No, we don't do criminal law. It's all civil law. So um, we don't do tort law either. Tort is when, like a car accident, when you have a personal injury. Um, so we don't do cases like that. We, we know we don't infringe on the local bar's practice that way and you know that's its own specialty which is not our specialty at all so 
Okay, do you have anything else you'd like to say about this organization? Because it seems to me like it could be very valuable to an elderly person who does not have the resources to hire an attorney. Oh, it's yeah, it's very valuable. Um, I mean, people would be silly not to take advantage of our services. And, you know, we interview a lot of people who aren't really eligible for our services, but we identify whether they need to retain an attorney or not. You know, some people do do need to do that. Some people don't. It depends on the nature of the problem. But we evaluate the cases and tell them, this is what you need to do. You need an attorney that will do this particular legal service for you if it's something that we don't do. So we do help people in that way, too help them recognize whether they have a legal matter that they need professional help with. Rebecca J. O'Neill, who runs the SIU Civil Practice Clinic. And oh yes, the clinic has received the Governor's Engaging Award for 2022. When we come back, we're going to go back almost 60 years to the crime of the century, and you will hear audio cuts, recordings, that you might not have heard for more than half a century. Okay, Boomer continues after this. Hey, everybody. I have an announcement that I hope makes your day just a little bit better. Bluegrass has returned to WDBX, the greatest radio station on the planet. This is Stick Gilbert, and I'll be bringing you some of the finest in bluegrass and Americana every Thursday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Back to Bluegrass 2.0, right here on WDBX 91.1 FM Carbondale, your community radio station for all of Southern Illinois. So I hope you will join me for some great music and good times, and we appreciate all your support of WDBX for the last 25 years. Hey everybody, it's the White Raven from the Hot 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 Louisiana Gumbo Pot right here on WDBX, Sundays 12 to 2. Join me and all the Gumbo Pot heads where I'll be bringing you all the best music from Louisiana, New Orleans, the Bayou with a little bit of Delta Blues thrown in for good measure. So all you swamp rats, grab your Zydeco shoes, meet me in the Gumbo Pot at high noon. We always pass a good time, Chef. Peace, love, and Zydeco. Aye! This hour of programming is brought to you by Robert DeFilippis, host of the program Think Again, Please, 8 a.m. Wednesday mornings. Please join me for interviews and interesting conversations. Remember, Wednesday mornings at 8 a.m. Tune in to WDBX 91.1 FM in Carbondale, Illinois. This is OK Boomer on WDBX. November 22nd, 1963, I was sitting at my desk in my sixth grade class in suburban Chicago when I heard Howie Edelman run through the hall yelling, the president has been shot. Soon, a radio broadcast of the events in Dallas were piped through the school's PA system. Shortly, one of those big black and white TVs on a tall stand was wheeled into the classroom where Walter Cronkite announced that the president had died. My mother picked me up from school that day with the car radio broadcasting updates from Dallas and Washington. And for three days, the country was inundated by details of the crime of the century. 
Of course, most of what I saw and heard from radio and TV was preserved only in my memory until... In this special version of the off-ramp, Bob Smith features recordings of reports you heard nearly 60 years ago, but haven't heard since. Here's Bob. We continue with special recordings of news coverage of the assassination of John F. Kennedy in November 1963 on the off-ramp with Bob Smith. Our next unique recording comes thanks to Dave Eliason, the late Dave Eliason, who was a news director at the Iowa radio station where I worked in the 1970s, KDTH. Dave was a media enthusiast as a young man and had his own audio tape recorder at the time of JFK's assassination. You have to remember, back then, there was no such thing as home video. Dave saw the significance of what he was watching on television and made a move to preserve it. He did so by recording the audio soundtrack to that tragedy from television. I discovered this in 1978 when I was doing a montage of historic recordings surrounding the assassination. Dave told me he had something he thought might help and brought in a box of reel-to-reel recordings from that weekend. I took the tapes into our production room and waded through them one afternoon listening to hour after hour of coverage on the ABC, CBS, and NBC television networks. I put Dave's recordings and mine together to produce this montage. Two years ago, I said that, uh, introduced myself in Paris by saying that I was the man who had accompanied uh, Mrs. Kennedy to Paris. I'm getting that somewhat that same sensation uh, as I travel around uh, Texas. Nobody wonders what Lyndon and I wear. President Kennedy is offered a large Texas hat. I'll put it on in the uh, White House on Monday. If you'll come up there, you'll have a chance to see it there. Just a few minutes ago, the President of the United States turned from Houston Street onto Elm Street on his way to a scheduled luncheon appearance at the Stemmons Trademark. As the president turned, applause broke out from a sparse crowd on both sides of the street. And as he went by the Texas School Book Depository, headed for the triple underpass, there were three loud reverberating explosions. Nobody moved. Everyone seemed stunned. A few seemed to look around, wondering who has the firecrackers. Then suddenly the Secret Service men sprang into action. The convertible bearing the president and Mrs. Kennedy sped away. And officers, both plainclothes and uniformed, seemed to spring from everywhere at once, guns drawn, ordering people to lie flat. There are two witnesses who were near the president's car at the time of the explosions who say that shots were fired from which upper window we do not know. We do not and cannot confirm the reports at this time that the president has been shot. One witness says he definitely was shot, that he was hit twice, that he saw the president slump in his seat. As I say, this is not confirmed at this time. From where I am, the police have two witnesses. They are bringing them in now. I'm in the Texas School Book Depository Building. They're bringing some witnesses in now. We will try to learn further and relay word to the station. Stay tuned for further details. This is Pierce Allman from the Texas School Book Depository Building for WFAA News. Put me on, Phil. Put me on. Phil, am I on? 
We're here at the trademark. The motorcade is coming by here. I can see many, many motorcycles coming by now. Police motorcycles. Just heard a call on the radio for all units along industrial to pick up the motorcade. Something has happened here. We understand there has been a shooting. The presidential car coming up now. We know it's the presidential car. You can see Mrs. Kennedy's pink suit. There's a Secret Service man spread eagle over the top of the car. We understand Governor and Mrs. Connolly are in the car with President and Mrs. Kennedy. We can't see who has been hit, if anybody's been hit, but apparently something is wrong here. Something is terribly wrong. I'm in behind the motorcade, trying to follow them. It looks as though they're going to Parkland Hospital. We're on the road to Parkland at this time. And I thought about it. And I gave it a great deal of thought, Grandpa. Here is a bulletin from CBS News. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas. The first reports say that President Kennedy has been seriously wounded by this shooting. More details just arrived. These details about the same as previously. President Kennedy shot today just as his motorcade left downtown Dallas. Mrs. Kennedy jumped up and grabbed Mr. Kennedy. She called, oh no, the motorcade sped on. We interrupt this program for a bulletin. President Kennedy and Governor John Connolly of Texas were both hit by a would-be assassin's bullet as they toured downtown Dallas in an open automobile a short while ago. That is the latest word that had just come in from Dallas on United Press International. Uh, the Associated Press, in its first report, says that President Kennedy was shot just as his motorcade left downtown Dallas. Mrs. Kennedy, who was riding with him, jumped up and grabbed Mr. Kennedy and cried, Oh, no. The motorcade sped on. Riding in the same car with the president for this particular motorcade was Governor and Mrs. John B. Connolly, the governor of the state of Texas. According to the last report, both the president and the governor were hit by the bullets. And now one more ad has come in. John Fitzgerald Kennedy, the 35th president of the United States is dead at the age of 46, shot by an assassin as he drove through the streets of Dallas, Texas, less than an hour ago. From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Vice President Lyndon Johnson <clears throat> has left the hospital in uh, Dallas, but we do not know uh, to where he has proceeded. Uh, presumably, he will be taking the oath of office shortly and become uh, the 36th president of the United States. He was coming down the street, and my five-year-old boy and myself were by ourselves on the grass there on Commerce Street. And I asked Joe to wave to him, and Joe waved, and I waved, and the man... The man... That's all right, sir. You wave, Charlie. As he, as he was waving back, he was... He was the shot rang out, and he slumped down in the seat, and his wife reached up toward him, and as he, as he was slumping down, and the second shot went off, and it just knocked him down from, from the seat. The two shots? Two shots. Did you see the man who did the... No, sir, I did not see the man who did it. I, I, all, I, all I did was look in the man's face when he was shot there and saw that expression on his face and grab himself and slide. And the second one, whenever it went, why, I'm positive it hit him. I hope it didn't, but I'm positive that it hit him, and, it's, and he went all the way down in the car. Then they speeded up, and I didn't know what was going on, so I just grabbed the boy and fell on him in hopes that there wasn't a maniac around here. I'm sorry. I can't help you more, but I, I won't forget. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we have a press report over the wires. We hope that it is unconfirmed, but we have to doubt it. That the President of the United States has been the victim of an assassination. <laughs> we will play the funeral march from Beethoven's Third Symphony. The tragedy of this day is be beyond instant comprehension. All of us who knew him will bear the grief of his death to the day of ours. And all men everywhere who love peace and justice and freedom will bow their heads. At such a moment, we can only turn to prayer. What was your reaction, sir? Well, I'm shocked, like the rest of the people are shocked. And how will it affect your plans, sir? Uh, I don't think it'll affect my plans at all, and I don't want to discuss it. Well, sir, have you had any chance to discuss this with no, anyone? Nobody, nobody, and I don't care to discuss it. And what are your plans, sir, when you leave Muncie? Going back to Washington. Mm -hmm. Sir, how do you think this will affect the operation of government? Oh, let's not talk about it, mister. The president's been shot. I don't care to discuss politics on a day like this. Thank you. I share the sense of shock and dismay that the entire nation must feel at the despicable act that took the life of the nation's president. This is a sad time for all people. We have suffered a loss that cannot be weighed. For me, it is a deep personal tragedy. I know that the world shares the sorrow that Mrs. Kennedy and her family bear. I will do my best. That is all I can do. I ask for your help and God's. And here comes Lee Harvey Oswald. His back is to you. You can't quite see him. His face is still... Basic fundamental hygienic uh, rights, I mean, like the shower and the clothes. These people have given me a hearing without legal representation or anything. I didn't shoot anybody, no, sir. Chief Curry, could you detail for us what led you to Oswald? Not exactly, except uh, in the building, we. Uh, you can move a little bit. When we uh, went to the building, uh, he was observed in the building at the time, but the manager told us that he worked there. You think, the smudge was in, you think the smudged fingerprints that have been found on the rifle which killed the president will be able to establish the identity of the killer? We hope so, but I couldn't say. Has he made any admissions at all about no. the shooting of the police officer? No, Nothing. he denies everything. Why do you think the police officer well, went to him in the street? What were the reasons? I think he suspected him because of a description that had been put out on the radio. On the police radio. Chief Curry, when you first uh, knew of the Dallas policeman dead, uh, what then led you to the theater? What information did you have from there? I understand that someone called... Uh, I think the ticket taker from the theater called. Chief, do you have... We did not have... You were not informed. We had not been informed of this man. Chief, do you have any concern for the safety of your prisoner in view of the high feeling among the people of Dallas over the assassination of the president? No, but precautions necessary... Precautions will be taken, of course, but I'm not... Uh, I don't think that... Uh, that the people uh, try to take the prisoner away from us. Now the prisoner uh, wearing a 
black sweater he has changed from his t-shirt is being uh, moved out toward an armored car being let out by uh, Captain Fritz there is the prisoner you have anything to say in your defense there's a shot Oswald has been shot Oswald has been shot. A shot rang up. Mass confusion here. Holy mackerel. There's a mass confusion there. Rolling and fighting. As he was being let out, now he's being led back. He was thrown to the ground. The police have the entire area blocked off. Did you see it? Eh? What happened? Yeah, I saw the guy. There's a man, a rather stocky man with a hat on. A dark... Um, stocky man with a hat yeah, on? he rushed, he crashed, and he shot him there. And I saw the flash, and uh, Oswald said, oh, and that's it. Oswald doubled over. There was a big struggle on the ground. Just a moment earlier, I had, no doubt foolishly, jumped in front of him to get in a last question to ask him what happened, whether he had anything to say in his defense. And then, a split second later, the shot rang out. An ambulance uh, has arrived. They are rushing a mobile stretcher in. Oswald is, was carried back into the uh, hallway. Here is young Oswald now. He is being hustled in. He is lying flat. He, to me, he appears dead. There is a gunshot wound in his lower abdomen. He is white. Pull the top down there, yelling. Here's the driver. Let the driver by. Oswald, white, lying in the ambulance. His head is back. He is out, unconscious. Dangling. His hand is dangling over the uh, edge of the stretcher. And now the ambulance is moving out. The flashing red lights. Here are some police officials. Who was he? Jack Ruby is the name. Jack Ruby? Ruby. Club. Carousel Club. He runs the Carousel Club? Oswald expired at 1.07 p.m. He died at 1.07 p.m. We have arrested the man. The man will, will be charged with murder. The body of the late President Kennedy lay in state overnight in the great rotunda of the Capitol. A quarter of a million stricken Americans came from near and far, waited hours in the cold and darkness to pay their final tribute, and 10,000 were still in line when the Capitol's massive bronze doors quietly closed at 9 o'clock this morning. The people at the curb are silent. They say nothing. They simply watch. There is some movement now on the sidewalks. People who were at the Capitol watch the casket carried down and placed on the caisson are now beginning to stream up the sidewalk toward the White House. 
This is the Air Force Band. Mrs. Kennedy now, standing with her brother-in-law, the Attorney General, has moved forward as she has moved to within three or four feet of the bronze casket. Her veil gently blowing in this breeze. The troops will be brought to present arms and a 21-gun salute will be sounded. Robert Kennedy has brought Mrs. Jacqueline Kennedy to a position directly in front of the casket and next to it. with a torch 
Robert Kennedy bends down and takes part as well. And now the president's youngest brother, Senator Edward Kennedy, does similarly. And the eternal flame is lighted. And the ceremony, to all intents and purposes, is over. Thus, for Mrs. Jacqueline Kennedy, the most difficult day in a series of tragic days is drawing to its inevitable close. The former First Lady, heart deeply grieving, has turned from a last long look at the casket bearing the remains of her husband, John F. Kennedy, has been laid to rest. And there you have it. My thanks to the late Dave Eliason for those recordings from the weekend of the JFK assassination and all of the events surrounding it. And my thanks again to Don Mitchell for granting us our interview and for letting us feature his interview with the Dallas Police Department from November 22, 11 year old I found the Kennedy assassination exciting particularly when I watched on TV Oswald gunned down in the Dallas Police Department garage being so young I had no comprehension of death but now listening again to what I heard nearly 60 years ago I still feel excitement uh, with a tinge of sadness And that wraps up. Okay, Boomer, I'm Robert Rickman. 